Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. We got a great episode today. Do you want to do the introductions? Absolutely. Uh, so I've been talking to this lady for a little while and excited to have her on the show. Today, I welcome Nicole Garrity. And Nicole is the director of B2B marketing at Fairy Godboss and is the CEO at socialmicole.com. Nicole, welcome. So happy to be here. It's great to have you. We're going to deep dive on quite a bit of subjects and topics and hopefully get your insights. Before we launched, uh, Shelly was just saying how a fangirl she is of you. So (laughs) I guess I'm a fanboy. So I'm looking forward to this discussion. I want to dive in and really figure out who is Nicole. Do you want to give me some insights on who you are? And how did you end up in the HR recruitment marketing community? Yeah, this like big pause, but basically (laughs) (laughs) I'm Nicole. I am a builder and a storyteller and I have a background in both English, HR and business. So I like to combine all of my passions for all of those things. And the natural place to end up was HR. So I started off my career working at Ultimate Software when it was Ultimate Software. And I built up a bunch of marketing programs. And part of my job there was building up and the influencer marketing community. What was cool about that is that requires you do a lot of reading. I was reading hundreds of HR blogs. And when you do that, you pick things up. Who's talking about what, what's being talked about at certain periods of time. So that's how I got my uh, feet wet in this space. And what I loved about recruiting specifically was the fact that we have such an opportunity to make an impact, getting the right people in the right spaces, making sure that um our companies are working the way that they're supposed to be working. There's such a big opportunity to make an impact. And that's what I loved about recruiting. Mm-hmm. I was looking, so Ultimate Software, which is now UGK. Uh, so UKG, sorry, <laughs> I should get those right. They're very prevalent in the HR tech space. Then you went to Talview and now you're at Fairy Godboss. Yes. And what I love about UKG is that they're actually a sponsor of the most inclusive HR influencer list. I'm dying to hear the story behind Fairy God Boss. Yeah. Can you share with our audience? I remember the very first time I saw the website and heard about you. I was like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to know this. What is Fairy God Boss? What is it? What is the purpose of it? Yeah, so Fairy Godboss is the largest career community for women. We have 15 million women that trust Fairy Godboss each year to navigate their careers and find their next job. And for employers, we do employer branding recruitment marketing to help employers find professional technical women. Share with us what is the the vision and the mission of Fairy Godboss? You... Definitely need to get our co-founders, Georgine Wong and Romy Newman on for maybe a potential next episode. They are much better for this. The company was founded because Georgine had lost her 
job when she was pregnant and knew that she needed to job search when she was going to be visibly pregnant. And she was looking for companies that was going to be able to offer her the maternity leave, care about families, and really support women the way that she and women and families need to be supported. And she realized there wasn't anything out there that could was helping her identify those companies or really help women come together and work together to support each other in that way. And so she was like, oh, if it doesn't exist, I need to build it. And that's how Fairy God Boss was started. That's a great story. Wow. Yeah. So I was she looking at the- so much better, by the way. <laughs> that's okay. I think we got the gist of it. It's interesting you mentioned that because I, I was looking at the website and one of the things that I saw was a resource for women when it comes to looking at companies, when it comes to their parental leave, also yeah. benefits. Mm-hmm. And obviously the rules and the laws are different in the Canada and the U.S. And, and managing a recruitment team in the U.S. as well. I saw that firsthand. I had an employee go on mat leave and her mat leave was... I think it was eight weeks, which blew my mind because in Canada, it's either 12 months or 18 months. Why do you think there is a big difference between Canada and the U.S. when it comes to the parental leave of it's a dramatic gap? And for me, for women in the workforce, there's not a bigger impact than how long they can spend with their children before they're forced to go back to work. What's your overall thoughts there? I think that Canada definitely does a better job when it comes to supporting working families. And I think that you all have much um, stricter governmental regulations that support that level of support and provide that. And we just don't have that here in the U.S. The onus is really on the companies. So many people don't have that option. They don't have um, maternity leave. They also don't have paid sick leave, which has been under a lot of scrutiny since we're in the middle of a pandemic and most companies don't offer most workers paid sick leave. There's definitely a lack and a need. And um, for companies in in Canada, the situation is so much different because it's just the standard there, but it's not the standard here. There are millions of working people and working families and working parents that need to consider that when they, can they afford their next job? Can they afford healthcare? Can they afford childcare? Can they afford um, all of the basic things that you probably don't need to keep top of mind for you, but we got to keep top of mind for us here in the state. How big a priority do you think that is, giving more support to women in the workforce when it comes to the U.S.? Yeah, when we talk about talent trends, millions of women and um, people of color are leaving the workforce because they can't afford to stay in their current jobs. Women and people of color contribute a significant amount of the GDP around the world and in the U.S. And so we're missing out on major opportunities to support the economy by not supporting families. And it's not just a women's issue either, because it does support global GDP. Supporting working fathers, and I know we'll talk about this later too, is how men can be allies. It starts um, at home, it starts at work, it starts at the leadership levels, both in companies and at legislatures. So one of the things that we've mentioned a couple of times is the um, most inclusive HR influencer list. And 
I was shocked to see that Shelly Billinghurst is not on it because she's the most famous HR person I know in Canada. Nicole, tell me a little bit how this list started. How do you get on? What are the criteria? So I'd love to hear more. Yeah. So the most inclusive HR influencer list was something I started back in 2019, Pet Project. And it was around the time that a bunch of other HR influencer lists came out and they were all predominantly showcasing white male HR leaders, which is interesting because HR is a predominantly women-led, worked-in profession. So it was interesting that the lists weren't reflective of what the profession actually looks like, which is the problem with diversity in most cases is that there isn't any. This actually came from a tweet I shared, would somebody be interested in a crowdsource nominations-based list that you could decide who was on the list? And it, the tweet kind of went viral. It got such an overwhelming response that I was like, okay, I guess this is something I have to do now. <laughs> uh, that's how it was started. Within a couple of weeks of that tweet, I built a website, put up a nomination form, started collecting nominations and worked pretty much day and night for a month because we had hundreds of nominations come in. And when the final original version of the list was launched, it ended up having 150 HR leaders from 15 countries on. Yeah, so it was really cool. And ever since we've been updating the list based on new nominations, the criteria has always been the same. We have a couple different rules. They're not very strong rules, but um, the rules are you have to have at least 1,500 followers on a single platform. You have to be a current HR influencer. You have to be a, a nice person that exudes kindness with others. Shelly, you're out. You're out, Shelly. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, search. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be nominated. So those are the criteria. Awesome. So how do you define nice? Yeah, so what I think some, give us an idea of some of the things that that people that are being nominated by someone else. What sort of things are they talking about? The goal is to focus on people doing good things. So I want to really focus on the positive. If you want to be on the list, there's two nomination forms on my website, socialmccall.com. The first nomination form is for somebody who wants to nominate themselves. And we ask um, demographics questions to understand the diversity and the makeup of the list. Then there's a second nomination form to nominate somebody else. And we remove demographic questions from that because we don't want people to label other people where that may not be deserved. So that's how you submit a nomination. Both nomination forms are considered equal. We just wanted to give people the opportunity to share more information than they about themselves than they would about somebody else. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you for that. We'll make sure that we include that as a link in the show notes. I really admire you taking that initiative when you have a calling and obviously a viral tweet is like somebody tapping you on the shoulder. Yes. It really <laughs> and was. saying all signs are pointing to the fact that this needs to be something. And I love over time, these things evolve as well. So it's congratulations to you, Nicole, and thank you for doing something so significant to recognize people that really are making a difference and being inclusive. Coming back to, and I wanted to talk a bit about how the pandemic has really impacted families. I see it personally, individuals and certainly parts of even our community here locally, 
where women are really challenged to come back to the workforce, whether it's childcare, caring for the elderly within the family. I'm really concerned about what this is going to mean for women coming back into the workforce. Can you share with me maybe what you're seeing? And I I know it's not good because women are directly impacted. Do you see any employers or maybe different areas of the U.S. that are doing something good about helping uh, women return to the workforce? First of all, we're back to 1980s levels of employment for women, which is really just outrageous considering at the end of 2019, women had literally just become the majority of the U.S. workforce. And I'm sure similar numbers were in Canada where women are getting more college degrees. They're entering the workforce at higher levels than they ever have before. We were working um, toward closing the pay gap. We weren't there, but we were working on it. And now Mm -hmm. the carpet has just been pulled out from under us. We're back to 1980s levels. Pay is not improving anymore. Millions of women are are either quitting the workforce on their own or being laid off at higher rates. So what's happening is really tragic. We are starting to see companies changing benefits. The benefits really do make an impact. Perry Godboss did research on this back in 2020. Flexible work offerings were the second most important consideration among job seekers, both women and men. which is surprising to a lot of people that men also consider it highly behind compensation. So flexible work options are going to need to be standard. Companies and people have both realized that the eight to five or nine to five, which doesn't even exist anymore because people are not able to work those hours. They're staying later than they ever have before. They're checking their phones nights and on the weekends and responding to things. So the, the eight to five, nine to five has been dead for a long time. I think what we're seeing now is companies and people are starting to say, I need to work on the schedule that works for me. If my kids are waking up in the morning and I have to deal with dropping them off somewhere or making their breakfast or making sure they get to school, whether it's in person or online, parents, that's their priority. They they don't have the option to not take care of their families. They have the option when they choose to go to work. What we're seeing now is companies are being forced to provide that support in that way, because it's simply just not an option. And and the companies that are not supporting their employees, they're the ones that are having massive turnover or are about to see massive turnover. It's going to be either you support your employees or you don't. And the ones that don't are going to see massive leaves if they haven't already. And the companies that do are going to see lots of applications. I think we're seeing a a major societal change when it comes to work. I think the pandemic has really caused a lot of people to think of what their relationship is with work, what's important in their lives, like it or not. Women take a much bigger burden when it comes to childcare. I, I try to alleviate that at home and do as much as I can. And I know my friends are as well, but that's not across the board. So Putting everything that's going on in the workforce when it comes to women, but also like across the board, there's a major shift. But for men, how can we be better allies to women in the workforce, both at home and at work? I think you breadcrumbed where I was going to go with that, but it starts at home. Hmm. If you're walking by the, the sink and dirty dishes, do them. 
Don't wait for somebody to ask you to do them. If you notice there's clothes in the hamper, put it in the washing machine. Take do the initiative. Work. Oh, right. Amen, sister. Right. Just be the one that makes breakfast and lunch and dinner and then do the dishes after. Like it's not, the onus shouldn't be on the women to do the chores and it shouldn't be on the women to ask the men to do, do the chores. Assuming a heterosexual relationship here, it needs to be a partnership, be the partner. And I'm sure that other couples have similar issues, but really yeah. just be a partner to each other, do the work. Don't ask, wait for somebody to ask you to do the work. It starts at home be that ally at home. Yeah. And imagine what? the men that do behave that way at home, I would say more than likely behave the same way in the work. Exactly. Being that it, it's not, I'm just going to leave everything in terms of the project because I know that the women on the team can't stand it if every detail is not looked after. That is an excellent point. And that also solves the issue of women voluntarily leaving the ones that did make that choice because they're burnt out. They're not going to be as burnt out if their partners are picking up some of the slack or if they have that support for the employer, if they're single, if they're able to do the things that they need to be doing both at home and at work, they're going to be much happier. They're going to be much more productive and they're going to stay because they're going to feel supported. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right now. So the market is very talent driven at the particular time we're starting to see as we we're talking a little bit earlier there's a major societal change uh, a lot of people are realizing i do not want your seven dollars an hour job which is minimum wage in the u.s I, I know the average is higher but if we look at where the market is and where it's going to be in the next year especially when it comes to what I would say, the the factory type work, the service type work, what do you think we're going to see overall as far as the impact of the pandemic? And I think overall, a major talent shift, the power is now shifting to the job seeker compared to the employer. What do you see in the next little while? Yeah, so I think that in terms of what's happening, people really took note about what their employers did to support them or not during the pandemic. Like you said earlier, they understand what their needs are for their life and they're putting their life first. And what we're going to see now and what we're already starting to see, especially in the U.S., where our minimum wage is not a livable wage, is people are leaving and they're not coming back until they have reasonable places to work. And a lot of people, unfortunately, it's sad, can't afford their jobs because yeah. if their jobs don't come with health care and their jobs don't have support for child or elder care, they physically can't afford to go to that job. That's not even including anybody who has autoimmune issues or who have family members with autoimmune issues and they don't want to be around people during this time where lots of people are getting sick. And I know that we're in a lull right now, but there are variants spreading all around the world. And that mm. is definitely something, especially as travel opens up for Canada Day and July 4th and the summer, end of school year, summertime. That's definitely something that's going to cause frontline workers concern. But I think that now what we're seeing is companies are having to raise their corporate minimum wages. I know that I saw a theme park actually increase their pay by a hundred percent because they, their wages were so much lower before and their entire staff quit. They had to shut down the theme park and 
put wow. out yeah and put out flyers they had to change their whole hours they had to make a statement saying that their park was closed certain days as they work to hire more people they flat out said we doubled our pay increased at 100% and they were cutting hours they were doing things to accommodate people and make their workplace more attractive mm. we're seeing restaurants that are hiring at double and triple the rates they were paying before because that's the only way they're attracting new workers. I think that companies are starting to realize that people need to be able to afford their job to be able to have people do those jobs. And that's something that I'm really excited about is having workplaces that people can afford to work at. It goes back to the old Henry Ford saying that he wanted to pay everyone a living wage so they could afford to buy his cars. That What do you think is going to have the biggest impact in the HR space in the next couple of years? I know we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but it's definitely people yeah. are taking note of what's important to them, rightfully so. They are demanding better. They are telling Uh, their workplaces and their families, what their needs are. And they are at some point, whether it has already happened, is in the process of happening or will happen, people are going to start to have to change their behaviors to be more accommodating to everybody. That is a wonderful note because I don't think they have a choice. People have decided they voted with their feet. No, I am not going to go work in a job that I can't afford to be at. I think Nicole the the coming months, I think there's going to be things happening that many employers thought would never happen. Do you know, back in the days when employers thought they held all the power, I think we're about to see a big power shift. Thank you so much for taking time to be on our show. And thank you so much for your inspiration of the, the most inclusive HR influencers. I love where you're going with that. So thank you so much for that. And I'm sure we'll be hearing lots more from you. If anyone in our audience wants to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can reach me at uh, on Twitter at socialmccole or on my website, socialmccole.com. Perfect. Nicole, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much for appearing. And I hope you have a great July 4th weekend. Thank you. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.